0: are listening to the sermon audio podcast from heights baptist church in alvin texas for more information about our church you can find us at heightschurch.org i'm sure you have been on a commercial airliner flight that had a a a rough landing you ever been on one of those you know the, the landing where they come in a little too hot and they got a slam on the brakes and you kind of lean forward real quick and whiplash back. Well, there is a Southwest pilot that did that one time and, and he felt embarrassed uh, because he knew he, he just really botched the landing. And so he was standing there at the at the end of, you know, the, the landing and he's greeting people as they're walking off the plane. And he's just ashamed. He, he just messed up and he didn't want to make eye contact with people. Because he knows someone's going to say something. So he's, he's kind of looking down at the, the ground and, he's you know, shuffling his feet. Thanks for flying. Thanks for flying. Don't want to make eye contact with anybody. But finally he looks up. One lady left on the plane. And she's walking up to him slowly. And she's got her cane. And she's in a feeble condition. And, and he locks eyes with her. And she locks eyes with him. And he, she finally gets to him. And she says, son, I've got just one question. And he said, Yes, ma'am. And she said, Did we land or were we shot down? In Luke chapter 8, in verse 25, I think the disciples are stunned, they're amazed. They're without words in a lot of ways. See, what's happened in Luke chapter 8, when you come to verse 25, it says this, and Jesus is talking to them. He says, where's your faith? And they were afraid. They marveled, saying to one another, who is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. See, they had just been through a storm with Jesus. He was crossing over the Sea of Galilee, and they were in a boat. Storm came up. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And this is a bad storm. And the fishermen are fearing for their lives. Now, I've never been in a storm like that out to sea, but I'm smart enough to know if professional fishermen are scared of a storm, it's a bad storm. Amen? I mean, right? And so they wake Jesus up, and Jesus stands up, and He commands the wind to stop, and He commands the waves to be calm, and they do. And they're shocked, and they're stunned. They're amazed. And they ask in verse 25, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves, they obey him? Let me say this morning that the most important question you need to answer in your life is that question. Who's this Jesus? Who's this Jesus? You know, there's a a lot of questions we have to answer that are important questions. You know, should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I buy this house? Should I go to this college? Should I... Have this as my major? And all those questions are important, but really the most fundamental question every person has to answer is who's Jesus Christ? See that today, do you trust Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you done what the Bible says, place your faith in him? Because when you place your faith in Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus forgives you of your sin. That Jesus brings you into a relationship with God now that lasts for all eternity. And then when you die, Jesus Christ will take you to heaven to be with him. But today, have you done that? Have you placed your faith and your trust in Christ or or have you not? Have you just not gotten there yet? This morning, we're starting a new series called Outcasts. And over the next six weeks, we're going to be moving through Luke's gospel. And we're going to be looking at different outcasts that society had said, you don't belong. You, you don't belong here. But these are people that Jesus loved. These are people that Jesus went to and Jesus cared for, that Jesus healed, that Jesus saved, and Jesus brought into their community. And this morning, maybe you kind of feel that way. You, you feel like you don't belong. You feel like you're an outcast in a lot of different ways. But I want you to know that God loves you. and God cares for you. And sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And so at the end of our service, here's what we're going to do. At the end of our service, we're going to have an invitation at the end of this message. And I'm going to invite you, if you've never placed your faith, your trust in Christ, I'm going to invite you during that time to do that. I'm going to invite you to come and to say, hey, I'm ready to believe in Jesus. And maybe you have. Maybe you follow Christ. Well, during that time, I'm going to invite you to pray for somebody you know who maybe has not yet placed their faith in Christ. Because who is this Jesus? Well, the text is going to first show us that this Jesus has authority over the demons. When you pick up in verse 26, it's the next day. They have crossed over the uh, Sea of Galilee. The text says they've sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. So it's early morning. Jesus had stepped out on land and there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes. He not lived in a house, but among the tombs. Verse 28 says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now look at the description of that man. Verse 27 says he was an outcast. He wasn't living in the community, but he had been cast out by the community and he's living out in the tombs or your translation may say caves. So he's living on the outskirts of town. This is because townspeople in the community around him said, you don't belong here anymore. You have to leave. Verse 29 shows us that he is a man that cannot control himself. The townspeople had tried to chain him, lock him up, but he obviously he broken everything they had tried against him. Mark's gospel in chapter 5 on this parallel account says that this man would often even self-harm himself. He would cut himself. And then we see in verse 27 his description that he is demon-possessed. He had many demons within him. You know, the text doesn't say this, but in my imagination, I just wonder how many people had given up hope on this man. How many people just said, you no longer belong. Nobody can help you. I can't help you. There's no hope for you. You've got to leave. You're an outcast in our minds. We don't love you that way anymore. Maybe this morning someone's told you that. That there's no hope for you. That I don't love you. I don't want you around anymore. Well, I want you to know the good news is this looks like a really hopeless situation for this man until he met the man of hope. Hope. See, the man of hope just stepped off the boat and he entered it in his region. And verse 28 says that now there's a meeting between this demon possessed man and Jesus. Did you notice what happened? It says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Matthew, or excuse me, the NIV says, What. Do you want with me, Jesus? Mark's gospel inserts another phrase. Are you here to torment me before the time? See, what happens is often this, is that when Jesus enters into a region, and you see this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is he draws the demons out of people. The demons start coming out. They start speaking. They're the very first ones to assign this title to Jesus in the gospels. Jesus, you are the son of the most high God. Now, understand that title. It's an ancient title used by the Jews and the Greeks. And it means this. You're the Messiah. You're the savior. You are the son of the most high God. You are God in the flesh. And it's the very demons who confess Jesus in that sense, in that way, you find in the Bible. And what's happening is he's drawing them out of the shadows. He's drawing them into the light to expose them. Now understand this. Even though they rightly confess the identity of Jesus. Doesn't mean they're saved by Jesus. See they, they rightly said yeah Jesus you're the Savior. You're, you're the Lord. That doesn't mean they were saved. Well how can one be saved? Well you've got to know Jesus rightly as the Lord and Savior of your life. But you've got to give your life to Christ. You've got to submit your life to Jesus Christ. You have to say, Jesus, I'm going to give you a blank check for my life, the title deed of my life, over to you. I'm going to trust you by faith. And see, that's what separates us from the demons. See, they have a right theology. They understand Jesus is the Lord and Savior. But they don't follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's interesting to me that in Matthew 8, 29, they say this, Jesus, are you here to torment us before the time? See, there's, in their minds, something's off. They know they're heading for the lake of fire. They know that day's coming. But because Jesus is there then, there now, and they're looking at him like, whoa, hang on. Is it now? Is, it, is our timing up? Or oh, I, I thought we had longer. Because what does the Bible say in Philippians 2, 10 and 11? Paul writes these words. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Heaven On earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. See, when he comes up on them, they're thinking that. Whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, wait, Jesus, wait. Is this Philippians 2.10? Is this the moment we've got to bow our knee and confess you? And notice what's going to happen here. Is there's a battle that's about to take place. There's a, a showdown about to happen. Is between Jesus and the demons. Pick up in verse 29. He's begged him, Jesus, don't torment us. Verse 29, for he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he broke those bonds and be driven out by the demon in the desert. Verse 30, Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. Mark's Gospel said that this man is possessed by 2,000 demons. It's a legion. But I want you to notice the authority of Jesus over these demons. See, by asking him, what's your name? He's drawing out an answer. And Jesus is about to cast them out. Jesus is about to exorcise this man from all his demons. you got a fight about to happen. You know, in, um, in professional wrestling... There's a unique match called a handicap match. Okay, don't don't look at me with that tone of voice. Some of you watch wrestling; it's totally (laughs) cool to admit that. All right. Some of you just looking a little too holy at that moment, like, oh, wrestling, you know you like it. Come on. But there's a handicap match that will often take place. Now, a handicap match might be one wrestler versus two wrestlers, one wrestler versus three wrestler, one wrestler versus four wrestler. The one wrestler is obviously handicapped, right? He's got to fight two or three or four people at one time. Now, if you look at this fight, it's Jesus versus 2,000 demons. But the handicap match is reversed. See, Jesus isn't at the disadvantage, It's the 2,000 demons that are handicapped against the Son of God, right? It's Jesus that holds the high ground. It's Jesus who's favored in this fight. It's Jesus who has all the authority and all the power over me and all the authority and power over the demons. And notice what's about to happen. It's Jesus is about to cast them out. Look in verse 32 and 33. It says, now a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. They begged him. To let them enter into these. So he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man, entered into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. What would your reaction be if you just saw that? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what would your reaction be? If you just saw Jesus take a man that was been outcast by his community, no one could control him. And show his authority and his power over these 2,000 demons. Casting them out into 2,000 pigs who then just ran over to the cliff. Well, I want you to see what the town did. Verse 32 says that they have gone over to the cliff. Verse 33, they are over the cliff. Verse 34, the herdsmen saw what had happened. They fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus, verse 35 says, and found the man who had had the demons. They had gone. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Verse 36, they told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Did you notice their response? Their response is they are gripped by fear. They are afraid. Something has happened that they didn't expect to happen. Something that they could not explain. Why are they so fearful? Why are they so afraid of Jesus? Why are they so upset at Him? Well, could it be that they just saw the worst case of suicide they'd ever seen? Okay, good, good. All right, you got it. All right. Thank you, thank you. I've used that joke before and it always kills. All right, sorry. Okay, there you go. Why are they afraid? Why are they, why are they afraid of Christ? Why are they upset? Why are they mad? I think it's this. See, Jesus just loved a person that they said was unlovable. Jesus just brought into community somebody that they kicked out. Jesus just showed His time and showed that this person who was demon-possessed, ran out by the town, shackled and chained, said, you have worth and value. And they said, you don't have worth and value. See, I think they're fearful of Jesus and upset at Jesus because their actions didn't match what Christ showed and what Christ did. They said, man, you get out. And Jesus said, no, you come here. And again, maybe this morning someone's told you to get out, to leave. That you don't have value. You don't have worth. That you're unlovable. You're too far gone. There's no hope for you. But I want you to see Christ says, no, that's not who you are. You're made in my image. You're loved. I've come for you. I've come to seek and save that which is lost. And we see what has happened with this man. The text says that he's now sitting at the feet of Jesus. He is clothed in his right mind, verse 35 says, and they were afraid. Now, I think here's one of the most important twists within this story. What does the townspeople do next? Do you think they they lined all their sick people up? And say, well, wait a minute, if if Jesus can do that with that guy, man, I, I know a friend who needs some help. Did they go get all their sick? They get all their people who are depressed. They get all their people who needed help and just line them up before Christ and said, hang on, hang on. If you've got that kind of power to help him, I know somebody you can help. Is that what they did? No. Pick up in verse 37. Then all the people... Of the surrounding country of the Garrisones, ask him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into the boat and he returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with Christ, but Jesus sent him away. You see in verse 37, I think the first twist within this story Jesus, you gotta leave. You can't be here anymore. See, what that's communicating is this. They're more comfortable being in the presence of Satan and his demons than being in the presence of God. That they love their sin more than they love the Savior. Then they want darkness more than they want light. And they say, Jesus, you've got to leave. And Jesus says, yes. But then the man that Jesus had just healed, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to follow you. You've radically changed my life. Jesus, let me walk with you. Let me be with you all the time. Jesus, I want to go where you go. And you see the other twist within the story? Well, we don't expect it at first reading, do we? What does Jesus say in verse 38? No. I'm going to send you somewhere else. Isn't it interesting in the story... That everybody gets their way but this man? Did you notice that? The demons say, Jesus, cast us into the pigs. Jesus says, okay. The townspeople, Jesus, we want you to leave. We're not going to give you the key to the city. We're going to give you the cold shoulder. We don't even really want to know your name. We just want you out of here. He says, okay. But the demon-possessed man who Jesus just healed... Says, Jesus, I want to go with you. I want to be with you all the time. And Jesus says what? No. The only one in the story that doesn't get his request granted. Why? Because Jesus says, I've got something else for you. I want you to do something. Verse 39, he says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. He says, no, no, no. You can't come with me. You got to go somewhere else. I'm going to send you out on mission. I'm going to ask you to go be a missionary in your home. You go back home. You go back in the town and tell them how much God has done for you. You know what's amazing about this? is this is the very first person in the Gospels that Jesus commissions to preach. Think about that. Hadn't told the disciples to go do that yet. Hadn't sent out the 70 witnesses yet. This is the very first person, a Gentile, in a Gentile area, who is a demon-possessed man who often ran around naked. You go home and tell them what God has done for you. That is the very first person Jesus in the gospel says, I'm sending you out as a preacher. You go home and share that message. How much God has done for you. This morning, can you see it? Can you see him walking through that town? Can you see him walking back down Main Street? I think I could see it. People starting to turn their heads looking funny at each other, hopping on social media, Snapchatting it, tweeting it, putting it on Facebook. Is that him? People taking selfies with him. Asking the question, what happened? What happened? Who changed you? Who brought this change in your life? Can you see when he goes home? I mean, use that vivid imagination with me. Standing there at the end of his driveway, looking at his house, wondering if he really should go in, wondering if his wife would accept him back, if his little girl would love him again. And he's been gone. He's been out, living in the tombs, not in his right mind. People had told him to leave, people had told him to get out. Would he be accepted again? And there, standing at the end of his driveway, finally emerges his wife from the house. She's got his little girl with him. They're both kind of squinting from a distance, wondering if that's really him. little girl pulls on her mom's coat and she says, is that daddy? Is he back? Is, Is my daddy better? Tears start filling up in her eyes. And they lock eyes. And they start running toward each other and they embrace each other. And he gives her a big hug and he picks up his little girl and he says, daddy's home. Daddy's back. Daddy's better. And she looks at her dad and says, why? Who did this? Who changed you? Can you see it? Can you see that moment? I think this morning, maybe if we listen, we can hear him. I think as he talks to his family again for the first time, as he goes back to work for the first time, as he goes out with his friends for the first time, and they ask him, what happened? Who changed you? What has been done for you? Can you hear his words? I think I can. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Born of his spirit, saved by his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This morning, I want you to put all your hope in Jesus. I want you to put all your hope in Jesus Christ today. Today, maybe you feel like that outcast. Somebody's told you to leave. Someone's given up on you. Someone said there's no hope for you. There is hope for you. It's in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And this morning, the hope you can have is for your sin to be forgiven. The hope you can have is to have a relationship with God now and for all of eternity. The hope you can have is that one day when you die, Jesus is going to take you to heaven to be with him for all of eternity. But the only way to possess that hope... The only way to be able to say this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long, is to put that hope in Jesus. And you can do that today by faith, saying I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. You know, in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we're singing, I'm going to invite you to come. And I'm going to be right down here in the middle. There's going to be folks to my right, to my left. And you can come to just one of us and say, listen, I want to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. We are not going to have you say anything else publicly to anybody. You just come talk to us. And what's going to happen is I'm going to introduce you to one of those couples. They're going to talk to you privately, pray for you, answer questions you might have, help you take that step of faith you're ready to take today. I want you to come. You don't have to feel embarrassed or ashamed. We've had people coming recently just praying that prayer right there. I'm ready to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. You be that one today if you need that. This morning as they're coming, I'm going to invite the rest of you to come. Maybe today there's somebody that you know who doesn't believe Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of their lives. And today you can say, I'm ready to pray for them. I I want to see this person save God and I, I want to lift that up to you. We've seen answered prayers that you've been praying lately. Don't, don't quit praying for that person in your life that you know who says, I need Jesus as my Savior. And maybe this week you can even make a commitment before the Lord today. I'm going to go share that story of what God has done for me. I'm going to invite you to stand. The praise team's going to be coming. And when they start playing, Matt starts singing. You start coming. So as the Lord leads you, You come. I'll be right here in the middle. There will be folks to my left, to my right. If there's any other need you have today to pray for, we'll be happy to meet you down front as well. Maybe you want to pray for another situation you've got, another thing in your life that's burdening you today. You can come during that time as well. We'll be happy to pray for you, to pray with you. But today, if you say, you know what, I'm ready to trust Christ. You move right away. You just If you're sitting there in the middle, I know it's crowded this morning. I guarantee you, I know these folks. If you say, i, I got to get out, I'm in the middle, they'll move for you. Amen? You guys will move, right? They'll move. So you come as the Lord leads you as we sing. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10:30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org/give.